Happy Friday, guys. I'm with my friends Pat Flynn and Alex the Hebrew Hammer Salkin for another episode of The Big Boys. And we even have a theme song now, thanks to, to Alex. That's right. Big boys, big boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do in this interview? Love it. I think we need to call this one because this is the second one we've done together. This has got to be big boys for life. I <laughs> just like the, uh, like the movie. I, I see no the reason why we can yeah. All right. I, I dig it. It wasn't that bad of a movie either. We watched it about a month ago. I saw, Did you, um, yeah, was, it was good. The, the new one. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the new one? Yeah. I saw, I, I think I saw most of it. I was on a, on a plane. Oh, this is, this is going to Wisconsin. I think to see good old Patrick. Oh yeah. And, uh, I saw like, pro- I would imagine it was three fourths of it. It was good. I liked it. Yeah. It was kind of cheesy, but it's yeah, well, you know, I didn't expect, you know, like, uh, I wasn't expecting, uh, how shall I put this? Like Oscar worthy performances. <laughs> it was just pure schlock I was after. And I was, I was, you pleasant. know what, if Hollywood can stick to that, I'm happy. I'm cool just, with that too. I don't, I don't care. I don't care how stupid it is. In fact, the dumber, the better. Just, just keep me entertained. Absolutely. And what is this new word mm-hmm. you used? Schlock? Schlock? Yeah. yeah. Uh, might be a Yiddish word. Let me look it up. I, I want to find the proper definition so that I don't. Because I, I think I used it correctly. I often like to use words. I have no idea what they mean. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like to make up Like words. salubrious. You that in there. Uh, yeah, cheaper, inferior goods. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, apt. It works. It doesn't have to be, you know, like the creme de la creme. It's just got to be, uh, it's got to be entertaining. Absolutely. That's a good word. Every time I talk to you guys, I learned at least one new word, usually from Pat, but this time from you, Alex. It's nice. Yeah, well, Pat did, did just say lugubrious, and I think that that is worth oh, noting. Salubrious. Yeah. Oh, salubrious. <laughs> All right, well, whatever. <laughs> lugubrious. That's my other one that I don't know what it means. So don't ask me to, to differentiate or define those. I, 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 have a, I have a friend in Israel who loves saying that word. He would just, he would just randomly throw it in. And he, I mean, he, he was doing it to be goofy, but, uh, but yeah, he, he made it a point to uh to use it completely at random in any conversation that he could and it yeah, was like, like a this, is a, this is a lugubrious conversation i agree with you and i'm just going to trust that if somebody looks that up that that sentence will make sense in some <laughs> in some in some vague way fingers <laughs> crossed i'll go with it i like bifurcation anytime you can put bifurcation in a sentence separates mm-hmm. yeah. i'll take your word yeah, we for talked it. about we talked about that a few episodes ago I that's right did, yeah that's right Oh, yeah. Funny stuff. So, <laughs> well, it's Friday, and I wish I was having a beer. I mean, I can text my wife to bring in a beer, too. And um, everybody's winding their weeks down. And uh, it's kind of funny. I was, I was joking before we push record. I hosted the worst live train session ever. <laughs> it crashed like 15 times. Um, so it's always a learning opportunity, doing these kind of things, trying new software. And, um, yeah, you win some, you lose some. Right, Pat? Well, it's, you know, for coaches, maybe this will be – we can actually – start to get into something that the listeners will find valuable at some point. Um, <laughs> Alex and I are pretty notorious, the big boys mm-hmm. um, for, for hijacking conversations. Um, but there's, there's something here. And I think that the, it's uh, valuable for um, coaches to have uh, a side that is very good at planning, that is very good at organizing. You want to be thinking ahead, but also a side where you can improvise, where you mm-hmm. can think on your feet. feet. And uh, boy, we've had a lot of and maybe not even just coaches, but business owners as well. Um, because if you don't have a plan and you're just going about your life haphazardly, you're probably going to make very little progress. You might stumble into some successes here or there, but you, need, you really need to have some type of structure to the way that you approach reality. 
I found some some structure. Uh, however, things uh, just don't always go according to plan. So if you don't have a good uh, ability to react and adapt and improvise in any situation, in business, in coaching, in podcast conversations, you're dead. Yeah. That's it. Literally. It's over. Yeah. So I, so, you know, you get, yeah, you're literally dead. Literally you die. Um, yeah. So, you know, nobody likes when a wrench gets thrown into the system, but every once in a while it's, it's, you know, it's a good, it's a good test to see how we, how we comport ourselves in such situations. I'm yeah, all shows about you how to, how to keep on your feet. It's kind of exciting too. You know, I love structure. Like the last six months has been anti-structure. So anything I can do to create structure, you know, I'm all about, but um yeah, you know, it's kind of fun when things go sideways and then you're like, just make the most of it. Take note of what you can change. If you can't change it, uh, do something different, right? And yeah. I learned a lot. I took some screenshots. Uh, I was using Vimeo to live stream a, a high definition kettlebell class on the, on the West Coast. And um, it's worked before. I, it's on, I think it's on Vimeo's side. So I was able to prove it and demonstrate that my bandwidth was sufficient every five minutes as so I can give it to them. Hopefully they can create a case out of it and learn from this. And so we can all move forward, but trying new things, man. Yeah. I wonder like, and if it would make sense then to like have Vimeo as like the main thing, but you tell everyone like, Hey, if, if it drops out like more than twice, here's mm -hmm. a backup zoom link. And we're just going to immediately go to that. So you've got like a zoom room set up or something like that. And that way you can, uh, you can avoid, cause, I mean, Zoom sometimes crashes too, but sure. uh, I had never even thought about Vimeo, but I can imagine if it's high def and it's kind of experimental, mm -hmm. you got to expect that's par for the course. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we, we tested quite a bit and it's a great idea having a backup plan. I mean, for everything, right? Always have like some kind of like a B or C plan to go to, or just be quick on your feet or both. Right. But um, I think it's good. Or, to backup. or the way I like to do it, have no backup plan. <laughs> and it's this or it's nothing. You get, you get what you get and you like it, or you don't get what you get and you like it. <laughs> no matter what, you like it. Exactly. That's funny. Those are your options. I'll, I'll cheers to that fellow big boy. That's right. Absolutely. Not going to let anyone push me around. Mm -hmm. So I saw, um, Sean, you put up a thread uh, beforehand and got some topic requests on what was it uh, coach fitness and philosophy and the, did I see the best metal song? So was yes. one of the, so yeah, I prepped, I prepped for that last one. That's not a, the best metal song is not a topic that you can go into lately. Um, and uh, what is your, your choice? Alex, why don't you go first? Because I want to make sure that I'm better than you. <laughs> well, you're going to need a lot more preparation than a few minutes before this show, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, I would have to say Death to All But Metal by Steel Panther. It's just... Come uh, on, man. It's it just, can't uh, a co comedy metal song. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Ultimate metal song. Yeah, that is hard because here's the thing. Like, you can give one of two answers. You can give your own preference or you can give one that is that you would say is like around the board uh, you know, most uh, influential or, or what have you. Like you talk about best band of the 90s, right? Best doesn't necessarily mean your favorite. So you could say, I would say maybe for like, just as an example, Nirvana, because of how influential they were. Now, I really like Nirvana, but they're not my personal favorite. But it's same thing with the Beatles. Believe it or not, I'm not like a huge Beatles fan, but I can appreciate the influence that they have had. So in terms of best metal song, and Pat, I hope you approve of the... Uh, 
the extra time I'm buying you with my loquacious. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's good. So you could have here's my favorite metal song, and here's a metal song that I think like checks some objective set of criteria if there is even such a thing when it comes to that but right. i understand like, what you're saying yeah like here's the one that i begrudgingly agree has been very influential so ah oh man i'm gonna have to say for the best well not megadeth that's for sure <laughs> pat's got a look ready? on his face like it's on now <laughs> um uh i i that's gonna hate me but i am probably gonna have to say oh you know you know what Okay, no, this is one of the, I think is pretty- Just commit already. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something uh, like a Metallica song, but I think it's hard to narrow it down to just one. But I actually think that uh, Iron Man by Black Sabbath is pretty freaking cool because number one, like they were the most, you know, the, the number one most influential heavy metal band of all time. And uh, everyone's heard Iron Man. Like even if, even if you don't know who it was by, who sings it, whatever- uh, so that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say uh, Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Solid. It's a safe bet. Um, that's a safe bet. Um, a little weak, but it's a safe <laughs> bet. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Hangar 18 by Megadeth. Oh, I think that's, that, yeah, that's good. I think that is the best metal song. It just, And I think it's not just my personal preference, even though it may be. I think it just clicks or checks off all those the boxes that you want from a great metal song incredible lead guitar ferocious drumming good melodies uh, it's fast it's thrashy it's speedy but it also has a mix of all sorts of dynamics and there's a cohesiveness to it so i think that there's like better like objectively better songs um from dream theater say right like like okay you're you're faster you're more there's there's more virtuosity on display but there's something less of an organic unity or feel to it, if that makes sense. Um, and that, I think that's, this is, this is a hard thing. I think that's why one could say, I think Megadeth is a better band than Metallica, but I don't think any one supergroup is better than Megadeth. Like there's something interesting about supergroups where they have what you would think are all the right ingredients to produce the best band of all time, but there's something that fails in the harmony or the synthesis, mm -hmm. right? Whereas Metallica is like, they're all great musicians. I pick on them every now and then, but I actually do love Metallica. I've been, re re uh, I've been listening to the new SNM, SNM2. Uh, it's pretty good. I like it a lot. Um, there's just something about their group dynamic that adds, you know, over and above just any of the individual parts. I think ACDC is the same way. I don't think anybody's going to go to the mat for any like one member of ACDC is like the best musician of all time. And I've never seen a drummer who goes like, yeah, Phil Rudd, right? That's... <laughs> He's the, he's yeah. the tops when it comes to drumming, right? Um, good, solid drummer, but there's something about the group dynamic of, of ACDC. So I think the Rust in Peace album by Megadeth, uh, I would say is the best metal album. And I, if I were to pick a song, I'd go, I'd go Hangar 18. I like it. I almost forgot about sure. that. Yeah. It, yeah. That's understandable. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, but that's pretty funny. Always stops a little bit. No, I, well, I, I, was, I do. I do like. Uh, I do like Megadeth. Uh, Pat might remember this. I don't know if you saw this, Sean, but I posted a video a couple months ago playing. Um, got, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the song, but a uh, baseline from a Megadeth song that I really like. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy Megadeth, but I, I I think I learned of them later. 
and I was uh, I was just more into Metallica for longer. So I haven't spent as much time with Megadeth, but I've, yeah. I've liked pretty much everything I've heard by them. So Megadeth is is weird because the, and I was talking about this with somebody on a podcast yesterday. The whole the whole podcast was actually political philosophy. Within the last ten minutes, we talked heavy metal. It was a very strange experience, but good. Um, Megadeth is one of those bands, Sean. I'd be curious if you agree. Like the first time you listen to Rust in Peace, your experience is. I don't know what that was. I have no idea what I just listened to. I think I kind of like it, mm-hmm. but I also think I don't like it, right? Yeah. And then, which is very different than a Metallica or, or ACDC experience. Like the first time you listen to Metallica, you're like, this is awesome, right? And like, you can even grow to appreciate it more and more. ACDC is like some, I mean, Megadeth is just a very weird first experience, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second time you listen to it, you're like, huh okay, I, I, think I, I think I do like this. Then the third time, you're like, yeah, I really like this. And the fourth and the fifth, and like by the 10th time you listen to it, you're like, yeah, this is one of the greatest albums yeah, of all I can, time. I can agree with you that for mm-hmm. sure. Like with Sepultura, first time I heard it, I'm like, what is this Brazilian death metal? And then, you know, 10,000 times later, it's like in my DNA. Right. Mm-hmm. Without it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's just uh, if if somebody hasn't listened to Mega and they're trying to adjudicate between Alex and myself, what I'm saying is, you have to do you have to listen at least ten times before you can make a firm decision on that it's an investment. <laughs> but mm-hmm. to that point, though, Pat, I think most things in life that you don't like at first become really appreciated. You know, like I didn't like the Beatles at first. I love Beatles now. Um, and Metallica, I really didn't like that much either. But I'd have to say my favorite metal song is Orion. Mm. very hard to beat yeah that's a good one um as far as metallica goes that would be up there for me you know what you know what i would say for metallica i would say creeping death oh yeah i would say creep i would say creeping death or and people are going to make fun of me for this one um the live version of memory remains with the orchestra I have not heard that yet. For whatever reason, I really like that one. I've, I've argued before. I don't know if this is interesting to anybody. Alex and I were actually having this conversation. I like 90s Metallica better than, than thrash Metallica, which is completely the opposite of how I used to be when I was young, because when I was young, 90s Metallica sucked, right? And it's like, I need the old school thrash Metallica. But then the problem is, is you just listen to bands that are just so much faster and have so much more ferocity. Than, than old Metallica that like old Metallica starts, they seem kind of weak sauce mm-hmm. in a way. Like they just can't keep up. However, 90s Metallica is like Metallica that found its unique groove and identity. So it doesn't try to like compete on pure pyrotechnics or speed. So then 90s Metallica has increased in my estimation, like load and reload. Mm-hmm. Whereas old Metallica has sort of, it hasn't aged as well for me. Interesting. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Like, I like uh, old Metallica as well, but I think the stuff that really grips me uh, from Metallica is definitely from uh, Load and Reload, like you mentioned. Like, probably at least once a week, I listen to Outlaw Torn and uh, Bleeding Me. You know, they're just such great songs. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they took advantage of something that a lot of other bands couldn't really, couldn't really do. And, uh, you know, I think it's one thing for, for a band to be like fast and loud and hard, but I think it's uh, what they did with in the 90s was different enough and it, it kind of pushed them forward as a band 
that uh, you had a different appreciation for them. It wasn't like some bands that to just kind of stay the same over time. And the, I mean, like ACDC is an example. That's one of the reasons people love them is because it's, it's something that they know what they're going to get is going to be really good. And not everybody liked the changes Metallica went through. But uh, if you really like them as a band, you know, you can appreciate their early stuff, their, you know, their 90s stuff. Maybe not Saint Anger so much, but then you know the stuff that came after that, likewise. And even Saint Anger actually had some good songs on it. So, uh, but the one thing that they've never been afraid to do is change and try new things. And so I think that, uh, yeah, I, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about them. Well, perfect. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just I'll echo that. And um, there's something special. Like, let's take Lars for example. You know, in terms of like thrash metal drummers, he's done some cool stuff, but he's not like not like a dave lombardo on double bass drums or anything like that right but when he starts banging on that trashy snare drum in like r- low you know what i'm talking about like like mm-hmm. the, his simple like 16th note like feel like very like stupid simple but they just seem to fall like at the exact right time yeah um and that's that's sort of like angus young with his solos there's something about it especially all the solos in back and black it's like there's nothing like overly pyrotechnic about it it just fits so well and there's something about 90s Metallica like that, where I think they, they found that parallel to ACDC mm-hmm. uh, in their in their dynamics. And they did change. But I think that I think that change was appropriate. It was for it was for the better, because I think that they kept trying to compete just on pure thrash. I mean, they're they're just clearly out. They're clearly outdone by faster, better players um, in other bands. They had the unique advantage of being early, which always helps. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it was wise for them to sort of evolve into the more, I don't know, like chunky, grungy, almost grungy style. Mm-hmm. I dig Indeed. it. That's Well, uh, Sven, who asked that question, there is your answer for <laughs> their favorite metal song. Um, and well, that, you know, you see, you touched on um, simple and like stupid simple, which I think uh, can translate over to the next question on fitness. So I, I really appreciate your, your guys' talk, especially you, Pat, with uh, Dan John. I learned a lot from the conversations you guys have about uh, programming and keeping it simple. And I think I talked to you about this on last episode, Pat, about giving Dan credit for, I'm using his, his structure, the 30-30 for 30, basically, for all of our online group classes. It's, it's simple, it's effective, uh, easy to program. And um, yeah, so what's your guys' take on your current fitness and how you train yourself and how you train others? Pat, do you want to start that off? It's <laughs> a big one. Oh, you want me to? Oh, you want me to start this one? Yeah, if you want. Um, you know, it's funny because when you're again, it's just interesting to see how your perspectives change when you're younger and you're older. I was having a conversation with uh, Marianne Kane earlier, not on a podcast. We were just chatting, catching up on stuff, and we were um, just talking about like how how you're when you're young, you tend to obsess over like all the fine details when it when it comes to programming. Um, and you get very excited about it too. Like you're designing a program for someone, you think every little detail is just absolutely critical, right? Like just, you have to fine tune it to the nth degree. Erotic. And now, now I'm fat, I'm 30 years old, and <laughs> you, you realize, uh, yeah, it just, like, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't matter, right? Like there's just some basic big principles that we have to get down, we have to implement those consistently. And you know, we can, we can vary on the details actually quite significantly and still great, get great results. Um, so, the passion is still there, but I've just, over the years, I've just tended more and more away from some of the nitty gritty details that everybody loves to argue online of, you know, 
should we do seven, seven reps or six reps or whatever the people are debating about these days. Right. And it's like, well, no, here's, here's like the, the big strokes, right? Here's the perennial principles that we know we need to get down. If it comes to strength training, something like 12 to 20 reps, uh, 12 to 20 sets, you know, uh, per major muscle group per week, you know, make them hard sets, go pretty heavy, you know, maybe six to 15 reps, if you're looking for strength and hypertrophy. And as long as you're in that range, and you accommodate for experience level, um, you're going to do good. Like that's like, that's it. Like th right. that's for strength and hypertrophy. Like that's, that's really it. And then it comes down to what's practical. What do we, what do we need to get somebody like moving and, and sustainable on this? If it comes to nutrition, uh, yeah, paleo diet or Mediterranean or keto or inter 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 intermittent fasting, again, mm -hmm. lots of, lots of interesting stuff to think about there, but what are the, what are the, the big strokes? Big strokes are got to control calories, got to get protein up, got to have some type of solutions. If somebody gets, you know, hangry, um, and make sure that we just, you know, um, drink, drink water and get our micronutrients and, and that's it. And so like the, the specific details, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is as I've, um, aged, I don't even want to say matured, but as I've aged <laughs> in my coaching, uh, I, I guess I've moved away from obsessing over the details and trying to focus more on the, the, the higher level principles um, and just getting those implemented, which to me is, is sort of inherently minimalist. And I think that's why Dan, John, and I get along so well, because we seem to kind of converge on, on that. Mm -hmm. That's great. That, that I, I can uh, definitely get behind all of what you said. And, and I can also uh, empathize with spending way too much time in my head being neurotic about programming for people who did not care. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, would it really have made a difference if I gave them six reps instead of seven at the end? No, no, right? That is so <laughs> utterly insignificant yeah. in the grand scheme. Like, mate, and I, I want to be clear, like, the details obviously matter at some point and on some level. So I'm not saying don't pay attention to the details. Sure. Um, but for most people, most of the time, they just need help implementing those tried and true principles. And the specific, the specifics of the specifics are just not really worth fussing over as much as, as I used to. Alex, are, are we, this is the agree cast. So do you. Everywhere we go is the agree cast, baby. Um, <laughs> I more or less do agree. Yeah. Because the, I think my approach for my own training differs from the approach that I have for my students online for the most part, not like, hundred percent. Like, it's not like I'm, uh, we'll put it this way. Okay. So I'm, I'm doing a program right now that is, um, I would say pretty, uh, heavy on variety and, uh, I like variety. I, I can also do, you know, minimalism. I've done, you know, both over the years, but, um, but I wouldn't necessarily give that to a student. Like, I think there are a couple of things that you have to keep in mind. And this is what goes into the art. Like, I, I think training others is an art and a science, you know, the science stuff, it's pretty easy to get down. You know, if you want to build absolute strength, it's like one to five reps for however many sets, you know, five, 10 sets, depending on, on a variety of factors. You want to build some muscle, three to four sets of eight to 12, you know, want to build some endurance. You know, you, like, so some of this stuff is um, pretty straightforward and you can learn it, you know, in a short period of time, but learning how to apply it, that's what really takes, that's what builds you into a good coach because, um, you know, I, I have at various times been very obsessive about the minute details to the point where people are like, I just want to work out, you know, like, yeah, you know, and then other times, 
I have been much more lenient and people were like, yeah, I feel like I need a little bit, a little bit more. And so you kind of start to uh, figure out what, uh, what they need based on the time they have available, their personality type, uh, their goals, how serious they are about their goals. Cause you know, some people just want to look better naked. I mean, actually that's basically what everybody wants and the degree to which they want that uh, as well as the cool stuff that they want to be able to do it. You know, a lot of that just depends. Um, but again, for me, I like getting into the, into the nitty gritty, but um, yeah, with my students, I, well, and we'll put it this way. Like in most cases, I'm training people whose physical abilities are, are lower than mine. So it's uh, it makes more sense for me to focus on some of the more minute details and, you know, and things of that nature and to be a much more precise with the programming just due to what my current goals are mm-hmm. and, and where I want to go with them, right? Um, and uh, the people who are more interested in, you know, like they're at a lower level, let's say, or they're more beginner or intermediate, they don't, they basically need to stay consistent and they need to have some skin in the game. And so the uh, important thing for them is to be more or less compliant with what I give them and, you know, giving some margin for error and then also giving them a range. Like, so I, you know, if I tell them you have to do like four sets of 12 and, you know, the kid was up all night puking and they're, and they're, they got four hours of sleep and today's supposed to be their hard day. No, maybe, maybe it would make more sense for you not to do that. Maybe it would make more sense for you to take it a little easier, do three sets of eight. Let's say it's a hypertrophy program, right? So it's like still within the confines of what they might, might need to do. Uh, but that's a big part of it is really like you have to keep showing up and you have to have general parameters and you have to have some skin in the game. And so I think your job as a coach or a personal trainer or however you want to label yourself depends on the ability to give them like a wide enough road where they can, you know, they can skid a little bit now and then, and, and they're not you know, on this tightrope where if they, if they fall off, they're going to feel like they were a total failure. Mm-hmm. They have to know ahead of time that, that these things are to be expected and it makes it easier for them to make the choice to do less. Yeah, and you have to give them the, the permission, tell them you have my permission to do less, but just don't do more because right. oh, you yeah. know, that, that's really what reins them in. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit different for me versus, um, my students. And I, you know, and I think on, in Pat's case too, you know, he's got a big family. He's got a wife, he's got four kids. So, you know, he doesn't necessarily have this luxuriously long amount of time to work out. Like I'm fortunate in that my schedule is a little more flexible and I, I can be a little bit more lax and I can talk to my friends at the gym and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, like I, I don't have like a pressing. Isn't deadline. that nice? Nice? Yeah, it's I'm just uh, nice. It's just nice. Yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate uh, in that regard. For now, you know, one day I will have. Let me, yeah, yeah, let me add something because um, yeah, Alex makes up a good point. When I say that I don't fuss over the details as much, that's from the coaching perspective. That's not mm-hmm. from the client perspective. So my clients always get details because obviously, if I just sent them a program and said eat protein, lift weights, they're going to be like, what? This isn't helpful at all, right? <laughs> but yeah. so, the, the, so you know, of course, I'm going to give them specific sets, reps, and this and that. Um, but my focus as a coach is that the, the general principles are being implemented and the general habits are being established. And again, from my perspective of, of a coach, like I could, I, could, I could honestly give a damn whether it's six reps or seven reps, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to give them the details because they need that structure. Um, and I think that's what Alex is getting at. And that's absolutely correct, right? They need structure and they need parameters to know what's inbounds and out of bounds. So I think it's just important to kind of 
um, break the perspectives out. There's the perspective from the coach, but there's also the perspective from the client. So even though I don't fuss nearly as much as the specific details as I used to, it's still very important that, that the clients have, you know, the specifics laid out. So they're, you know, they're not guessing and, yeah. and checking with it. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's good, Alex. That's good. hundred percent. Well, I dig that guys. And I was going to ask you this too. Uh, the last six months, you know, everything's changed a lot for, for everybody. And the people that I had pretty much based most of my career around for like the last 12 or 13 years, a lot of them kind of fell off or re retired or moved away or, you know, and also I had to close two gyms. Um, and so things changed, but the people I'm working with now, uh, it's really kind of motivating in a, in a new way. Uh, there, a lot of them are like between your guys' age and my age, uh, self-employed and gainfully employed and very motivated. And it's, it's a lot of fun to create these programs because honestly, they're very close or getting close to my fitness level. So it's very encouraging. <laughs> so I have to keep up on my stuff to, to demonstrate yeah. competency. <laughs> so, um, that's been like a, a little bit of a secret or a, a nice little bonus I didn't anticipate happening during this last six months. Are you, have you guys experienced like a different uh, demographic of people you're working with or is it mostly the same? I think for me, it seems like it's been largely the same. Like, you know, I don't really have a customer avatar as mm -hmm. it were, or a student avatar or what have you, because I have people and, and I have people with a wide array of goals. I have yeah. uh, a student, an online student in Australia, uh, a gal who is super strong. She's working toward a 40 kilo pull-up or an 88 pound pull-up. Um, she's, I've, I've helped her hit 36 kilos in the past and uh, she's incredibly strong and yeah. uh, you know, very focused, very motivated. She's actually an example of somebody who needs more details because at the level of performance she's at, uh, the detail, this is the kind of, this is what Pat was talking about, you know, like the details depend on, on the student and in yes. her case, you know, she needs, a, she needs a lot more. And when things don't go right, like uh, you have to assess and be like, okay, I have to, you know, redo everything that I thought uh, was going to work and, you know, try to, try to find something different. You don't necessarily need that with a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. But, um, but then on the other hand, I have other people who are, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe a bit older, forties, fifties, I think that's about the general um, the general age, uh, you know, variety of different uh, professions, you know, some of them are uh, blue collar, some of them are white collar, uh, some of them are self-employed, others work for others. And uh, it seems to be like, it's just kind of intensified, like what I already had going, there was just, there's just more people now. Cool. Um, but, uh, but I can see, but my stuff has been online for some time. So, it, it just seems to like attract a, a variety of people who are interested in, in what I'm doing. And I, it sounds to me like the position that you're in, um, it is uh, attracting people who are, you know, maybe already in, at their home most of the time or, you know, in their business most of the time. And they need, you know, they, they see the need for the improvement in their fitness and they need somebody who can help them do that with, you know, a paucity of, of equipment. Yeah. And uh, so it, it, that's a shift I can see making sense for you. For me, uh, I don't know about Pat, um, but yeah, I have to say I haven't seen, I don't think I've really seen that much of a change in terms of uh, the type of people that are coming in. There's just more of them. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on Alex's side, but you said something I want to um, explore a little bit more. And that is, again, the amount of details. And I would even say precision required for people as they attain higher and higher levels of excellence. So I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my guitar. Uh, my guitar over here, not this one. Um, and I think there's a rough analogy between 
you know, like for, for a lot of people who just want to get the basics down, there's a, there's a pretty wide margin of error where you can, you, you know, you can, you can accommodate um, things being less than perfect to a large degree. So like if I'm just going to hit like a G chord and a D chord, I can do like the big Pete Townsend. Like I don't have to be extremely fussy about the fine details of all my techniques. I can make a G chord sound pretty good with a wide margin of error, for example. But if I'm going to then go run um, a series of phrases of sweet picking a bunch of arpeggios, then like, First, like, yeah, I'm going to need to make sure that everything is spot on, like the angle of my pick, the tension in my hands. I'm going to have to make sure that somebody didn't swap out guitars because I, I need to make sure it's exactly on the guitar I've been practicing on. Right. So the margin of error shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks the uh, to the extent, I would say, that you're achieving higher and higher levels of excellence or technical proficiency. Um, same thing with fitness. Right. Pretty wide margin of error. If you're just trying to get somebody generally fit, generally strong, the equivalent of somebody on the guitar playing, you know, playing some some basic chord progressions, for example, right? Uh, we can have variances in technique and you know um, stuff like that, and it's still going to probably sound pretty good. Still work that has to be put in, still precision and details that need to be considered, absolutely, but not the it's, it's like severe amount of precision that's required if somebody is on like the very far end of the performance spectrum where. Yeah, now now the details are going to matter because if we get the volume, if we push the volume too much or the frequency too much, well, now you're coming down with severe elbow tendonitis, for mm -hmm. example, um, or overtraining at that point. So that I, I, I do want to acknowledge that. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that Alex's client, I don't, well, maybe not for Alex, but for me, that person is by far the exception, not the rule. Right? Exactly. Most people I'm working with are, are you know, 98% of their goals are the same. I want to lose 10 to 15 pounds. I want to, you know, improve my strength across these basic lifts. I'm not concerned about winning the tactical strength challenge in the pull-up contest <laughs> yeah. or things like that. Um, so I just wanted to make those distinctions because Alex brought up, I think, an important counterexample where clearly the details do matter. But that that person, I think, in general, is something of an exception. Certainly, an exception for a lot of the people that I work with. That yeah. makes sense. Thank, and thanks for covering both sides of it. And uh, it makes sense. Like the, my online group classes, like are like category one. Just let's get moving. We're going to do some glute bridges or a, some kind of hinge. You know, basic stuff. Just get moving and some accountability, and you get to see your colleagues. Uh, whereas a person you guys work with that's doing the pistol squat progressions and pull-ups like they definitely need that, that structure so to clarify for listeners and viewers uh, there's it depends yeah yeah and you know uh, I think Pat brought up a very good uh, point when he, he made the parallel with with guitar playing uh, really I think any skill you'll find that that's essentially true like at the beginner level you have a very wide margin for error and then as you get better and better um, the margin for error in order to be to continue to get better and better gets gets much narrower and i i can also uh draw a parallel like with language learning for example because i'm a, a big fan of that and um a lot of people make the mistake now i don't know if this is the case really in exercise i feel like people don't actually get most people don't get that fussy about it but with with language learning people do they're like oh man i i, I have to wait before i try to speak because i'm going to make mistakes 
and uh, you know, I have to study before I, before I go try to use it. And it's like, no, you're at the ideal time because like anybody who speaks the target language you're after, like you can just today, I went, I'm, I'm not trying to learn Vietnamese, but I had to take some, some shirts to a tailor who happens to be Vietnamese. So I got on YouTube and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to say, how are you? Cause I already knew how to say like, like, see you later. And I, I, he really liked that last time. You know, I, I probably don't sound like a, like a native of Vietnam, but he appreciated it. Well, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. So uh, I, I went in and I said, how are you? And totally bombed. Like he had no idea what I was saying because they have a tonal language, you know? And it was just like, he was looking at me kind of like, I, I know he's trying to say something. I, I can't figure <laughs> out what it is. But, you know, I didn't really, like, I didn't feel bad about it. It was like, you know, like I wanted to give it a shot. And, uh, you know, so the, so you have to have a different mindset. Like when you're a beginner, like if you're a beginner at kettlebells, uh, for example, you have to have a mindset of like, I'm going to learn what I need to know for right now. And odds are, this is going to be just what I need. Like, you know, if somebody, somebody maybe just needs to learn how to do like deadlifts on their first day, because maybe if they try swings, it's just going to be, you know, a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. And, but they'll wake up the next day. They'll feel the glutes and their hamstrings. You know, they'll feel like a lot stronger. They'll really like it. And then, of course, you build on it from there. And then you get to a certain point with kettlebell training where it's like the margin for error in order to learn new skills, number one, successfully is a lot narrower. So like if you want to do a heavier military press, it's going to take a lot more attention to detail. And then the, the errors that you might make at a certain point become uh, less acceptable. Like if you're at the point where you, you could ostensibly do, you know, this, the strong first snatch test, hundred snatches in five minutes with a given weight, depending on your, either you're a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, let's say you're not locking out at the top. It's like maybe initially with a light weight, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, the stakes are a lot higher when you're, when you're trying to do something uh, a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's going to be true for, for really anything. And um, the more, I think the more people, understand just how much of what Pat and I, Pat, you and I are talking about has a, a parallel in just about everything else that they already do, the, the easier and smoother the transition is going to be to get to higher levels of strength or, you know, better musicianship or improve their language skills. Part of it's you've got to relax and get out of your own way and uh, recognize that the level that you're on is going to, is going to require certain focus and certain skills. And that there are other things you can worry about later that you don't really have to fuss about right now. Right. And also to know when good enough is, is good enough. I mean, if I picked up the guitar right now and you asked me to do a bunch of sweep picking, I could, I could do some, but definitely not nearly as much or as well as I could have probably when I was like 21 or 22, when I just practiced that stuff obsessively. Um, and what I realized is the vast, vast majority of people who would ever hear me play guitar just didn't really care about that stuff. Right. They wanted me to hear, they wanted to hear me play songs that they knew. They're like free um, bird. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that like a pretty simple solo, like an ACDC solo, like to them was perfectly impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a juice squeeze type of thing. So like, I still like to do the virtuoso stuff. I still like to practice the, the more technical stuff, but I, I just don't put nearly as much time in it. Uh, partly because also as you get higher and higher into a certain skill, it's not only that the precision matters more, but the frequency matters more as well. Like the, like the more technically you get, um, the more frequently you have to practice to maintain that level of proficiency, right? 
Um, and it becomes very burdensome. Uh, it's very difficult to do that for some skills, not all skills are like that. I think, I think something like sweet picking is a good example. Like if, if for people who aren't familiar with sweet picking on guitar, just Google Ingve Malmsteen and you'll yeah. immediately be, you'll immediately be acquainted with a technique. It, um, it's a, it's a very high level skill on guitar it requires a lot of coordination, dexterity, precision, million ways for it to go wrong. Very hard to get it right. Um, it's definitely an advanced technique that, Probably, I don't know, I don't know, but like the vast, vast majority of people who play guitar cannot sweet pick at all. And that's fine, <laughs> right? Because like, you just don't need to, you just don't need to. Um, and it's one of those things where if you don't practice it for like a day or two days in a row, it immediately starts to deteriorate in a way like that isn't, that isn't the case for my G chords, right? Like I could play guitar, I could not play guitar for six months and I'll still be able to play just a, a perfectly fine G chord in six months. Right. Um, so that's, that's worth considering too, when you're just developing skills is kind of like understanding, well, how far do I want to go and how far do I need to go to, to attain the outcome? And this was kind of, I, I talk about this in my book, how to be better at almost everything is I wanted to be a guitarist that people wanted to listen to, but then I got really obsessed with being like the fastest, most techno guitarist which was only interesting to me and other like specialists, but was not at all interesting to the audience at like my high school battle of the bands, which is why we always lost. Cause we'd go up there and play all these technical metal songs. And the dude that went and sang the Dave Matthews tune would get all the votes <laughs> and would win every time. No, you're right. So yeah, I don't know what the general point is there, but there, there is something I'll, I'll let you guys pick it out. <laughs> no, I, I think that, uh, a great point you brought up is that at a certain point you you become more interested in being like the guy who's impressing other people who do what you do for like a living you know like uh one of the things that's great about what dan john does for example is uh he he demonstrates and preaches about stuff that anybody can and should do you know uh whereas you see other people and this is not to you know denigrate what they do but there are other people who talk about really high level, uh, a good example would be Charles Poliquin. Like I really like a lot of his stuff and uh, a lot of, but a lot of the stuff that he would write about was stuff that I was like, you know, this would be great for me, but this would, I, this has zero relevance for my students because my students uh, are, are not on the level of the type of people that he's aiming at, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you can, you can, he made a very good career off of that. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why he, he, uh, uh, really excelled is because he knew who he was targeting. But some people forget, you know, that like if they want to learn, you know, how to play guitar and you're pushing them to try to do this, the sweet picking, uh, despite the fact that their G chord is still not solid, it's, it's sort of a waste of their time and right. uh, it, it doesn't really do uh, them any good. Or um, another example, like what, what impresses people versus like the, the general run of people, we might say what impresses the general run of people versus what is actually impressive. There's mm -hmm. often a, 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 an asymmetry there. I'll give you an example. I remember I used to go into like the YMCA and I would just, you know, young kid trying to show off. Um, and I would just do go and do like a bunch of muscle ups and everybody thought it was so cool. Right. They're like, Oh man, muscle ups. Right. And then there'd be like some dude in the squat rack, like squatting like a monstrous amount of weight and people they didn't really think much of it. Right now I knew that that dude was doing something that was far more difficult and impressive than what I was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. 
muscle ups have actually never even really been that difficult for me. Uh, and they're, they're not like an easy move, but they're not, they're, they're just not as hard or technical as like a really, really heavy back squat, for example, mm. like that's something you really need to put a ton of time into train with a lot of patience and diligence. So it's something that always just kind of struck me, right? It's like, well, if attention is what I want, uh, I'm obviously doing the smarter thing here because I get a lot more juice from this squeeze than the other way around. Um, so it's, just, it's just kind of funny because like the specialist would know that the person with that map, whatever that back squat was, was, was more demanding, took more effort. But the general population was impressed by the other thing. It's kind of the difference between the sweet picking and the Dave Matthews song, right? The specialist knows that, okay, that's more technically demanding. That's harder to do. That's cooler. But most people just don't give a crap, right? right. They just want, they, they're impressed by the, the Dave Matthews song. Bingo. Well, you know, speaking of Dan John, I want to make a little segue here. Uh, recently, he's talking about um, donating blood and passing out on Pat's show. And uh, I, feel, I feel a little bit better about myself because I almost always pass out when I donate blood. But it's, it's good to donate blood, right? And I have typo negative blood, so I, I want Oh, man. Yeah, I know, right? I got metal. That's a great band. I want to change my answer from earlier to a, a typo negative <laughs> band song no but i understand typo negative is also very 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 needed blood type as well oh sure it's it's cool right but uh i always pass out and so it's nice to hear from a nice strong man like dan that he passes out relatively frequently too but it it has health benefits too right like i have a really high uh, whatever the h word is for the iron in the blood so i should give blood for that Mm. reason for health as well but anyways dan john awesome guy just want to make that little segue break there of course Um, one more segue. Um, what are you guys really excited about right now? Like, what are you working on that's just blowing your mind? Well, um, <laughs> for me, yeah, Pat, do you want to go first? Or do you want to? I've been going know? first a lot, man. I okay. feel like we should put you on the spot. That's cool. Uh, I can't totally... carry this whole conversation out. <laughs> Otherwise, my back's going to start hurting carrying you guys. Oh, my <laughs> back. My <laughs> aching well, back. Time. My my aching, cracking, oh. <laughs> cruddy, bloody back. <laughs> my, my achy, breaky back. I feel like there's a country song in there somewhere. Um, you ready? Yeah. What? Yeah, so uh, I'm trying to think. One thing I am working on, well, my online business has been going well, and I've been, been excited about that. Um, I would say, yeah, on a, on a personal note, uh, taken on learning a new language, and I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. Which so language is that? Italian? Uh, Arabic. Arabic. Oh, Shukrain. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. My, my, my Italian's actually already pretty good. And so that's why I felt like I could reasonably make the jump to another one. Cause I, you know, some people, I think they like to just get to like a certain level of like, okay, proficiency at a language. And uh, I'm the kind who like really obsesses about like, I want to get like very good. Mm-hmm. And so I, I still have a way to, a ways to go uh, with the, uh, with the Italian, but I mean, it, it's good enough to, to say that, uh, well, according to my, my teacher, it's like pretty high level. I still need to work on a, certain things to, in order to, one of my goals for the next year was ostensibly this year. And then, you know, uh, we, all got, we all got hammered by the, uh, the, the coronavirus. The world got covered in plague. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, Black Plague to the Reckoning took place. So here we are. Um, but uh, it's to do a C2 exam in Italian. It's the highest level exam uh, in, in what's called the Common European uh, Framework for Language Reference or something like that. It's like 
continent-wide thing where they have a bunch of different languages in there and you can test to varying levels. So there's A1 and 2, B1 and 2, and then C1 and 2. So basically beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So I'm, I'm interested in doing that. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've taken on, once I've retaken on learning Arabic and um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I made a lot better, a lot better progress uh, in three months than I did in like four years in, in the past. I took on a, a different method and was much more focused. And uh, so I, I'm very much looking forward to going into Middle Eastern stores and just blowing people's minds, you know, just some like <laughs> totally random yeah. Midwestern dude, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. and he's wowing them. And I feel like it would be a better experience than the one I had with Vietnamese today. So, well, it's funny because you were, when you were out, you were speaking Arabic to that nice lady that we met in the park, but this was before you were letting that secret out of the bag was yeah i so i had a i had a rule that one of the things i've done in the past is i'll make like a big announcement that i'm going to do something and you know the accolades you get from something like that uh can be uh, for some people it really pushes them forward other people it like uh it, it kind of hampers your efforts because you're like Oh, okay, you know, I've got these, I've got the accolades of an achievement I haven't even done yet. And so it kind of like, it, it, it dampens the, uh, the effort for some people. So I didn't want to take the chance. So I was like, you know, I'm just not going to tell anybody. I'll tell people that I'm working on a new language, but uh, you know, that nobody's going to really congratulate you for that. They're going to want to know which one. So I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody other than a completely relevant people. Like um, my Italian tutor, I was like, look, I'm probably not going to be working as hard for the next couple of months because I'm taking on this new challenge. Uh, and then of course my Arabic tutor, he had to be informed so that he could show up for classes. And that was rather important. Um, but yeah, when, when I was out in, I guess it would have been what, like June was the last time or was it later? Was there, I think it was, I think it was later. July. Because, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So there happened to be a gal at the park who was from Jordan and, uh, so yeah, chatted her up and it was, uh, it was fun. Didn't get a number. But, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. I, I didn't work on my pickup lines. Yeah, um, yeah. I got a lot of irons in the fire right now. None that are particularly conducive to my business. Well, maybe a few of them would be. I'm working on, I think I told you this before, Sean. I, I, instead of writing like one big book this year, I wanted to get out a bunch of like little mini ebooks. Yeah. Um, so I got out two. I have the introduction to kettlebells and I have the one that we talked about before, how to think about God. Um, I've got a few more in the works. Um, and the idea here is just like very basic minimalist introductory, uh, like 30 to 50 page ebooks on some particular subject. So the first one was on kettlebells. The second one was on natural theology. I got one, uh, it's about, I don't know, 70% done on intermittent fasting. And I'll call, I'll call that, uh, very originally, I'll call that introduction to intermittent fasting. And, uh, that will just take kind of like an overview of the current research, trying to still fact and fiction. Uh, there's been a recent article going around of some pretty crappy study they just did recently on, did you guys see this one on intermittent no. fasting? Not yet. Um, oh, I heard about it. I didn't read it. Yeah, it was, it was really weird. Um, I mean, first off, pop science is the enemy of the people. So as soon as mainstream media starts reporting on any studies, you can almost always guarantee it's been misinterpreted or spun mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they found in the study, which is kind of true and kind of misleading, is that intermittent fasting didn't have um, statistically different results than traditional forms of mm-hmm. caloric control. 
Um, but what the media reported is just that intermittent fasting doesn't work. And that's, that's just fault. That's, that's fake news as they say. Right. So the, the, the meta analyses on intermittent fasting show that at worst intermittent fasting seems to be as effective as traditional forms of caloric control that do work. Right. So the point is, is from, from the best research we have that you're no worse off practicing intermittent fasting than you are most other forms of traditional caloric control. So the, what you should say is, hey, intermittent fasting works, uh, but you know maybe you, you shouldn't pick it because you think that it's magic or something, right? Mm -hmm. um, so leave it to the media to not ever give the full story. Uh, but the truth is we actually have some good research on intermittent fasting. I think I have, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of footnotes in this little thing where I just kind of go over the inter overviews. In fact, there was a study published in Cell Metabolism not long ago. It's a good one where they... Um, they they found that intermittent fasting has health benefits irrespective of weight loss and that's important because that challenges a certain hypothesis so one hypothesis is that intermittent fasting is is healthy only because it produces weight loss so it's really no better than any other form of dieting that will cause you to lose weight and this challenge and this study challenges that because it shows no it actually shows that there are health benefits to fasting, even if you don't lose weight, which is important because that would be maybe another reason why somebody would want to practice intermittent fasting. So I go through, uh, I plan to just go through very quickly a summary of the research, just give a kind of um, overview uh, and just say, hey, here's, here's, here's the facts. Um, it's a fine practice. It's not, it's not magic. And here's a few simple ways of getting started. Um, so if I can uh, motivate myself, uh, maybe in the next month that one will be out, and then I want to, and I have a few other ones on philosophy. I want to do how to kind of in the how to think series, how to think about politics, how to think about ethics, kind of moving from well, I'll do it in the reverse order, moving from the med my metaphysics metaphysics ebook to an ethics ebook, and then to political philosophy. Uh, maybe by the end of the year for these things. Um, and how did, you know, how did these connect business wise? Um, if it's fitness, it'll drive probably back to my chronicles of strength and, and email list. If it's the other topics, then it'll go to the relevant segments on my podcast. So there's, there's some utility and usefulness there, but largely they're just kind of interest pet projects and stuff that, um, I decided, yeah, instead of trying to go through the labor of doing one traditional formal book this year i'll just i'll just test this out and see how it goes i dig it i feel bad having gone back to you on reading uh the book on god um i promise it's okay you. alex did it alex didn't either it's fine sean oh i have good i have a good yeah. it's fine <laughs> it, yeah, it's uh, apparently nobody apparently nobody does <laughs> well no my, my reason is pretty legit like i um I do a lot of reading when I'm camping, right? And unfortunately, uh, in the state of Colorado, we have at least four or five fires still going on right now. And my favorite place to go, uh, Jones Pass, and this is like no secret. In fact, I'm there so often that people want to call it Sean's Pass, like hundreds <laughs> of people. So <laughs> I'm always there. That's where I read. It's closed. It's, it's literally raining oh, ash right yeah. now here in Denver. Oh, no. Yeah. So my, that's, that's my reason. My, my reason is actually I can't read. Oh, except for Arabic, right? So exactly, yeah. I, I somehow pushed all of my knowledge of of English reading out of my noggin, and so I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on that, Pat. I Great, you can you can tra you can translate it for me, so I can get some uh, so I can get into foreign markets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe that's what I had to do. I'll just run it through Google Translate, get a really you know <laughs> real authentic translation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, uh, and go from there. That's that's genius. Yeah. So.
Oh, hilarious. Well, uh, over here on this side, um, our friend, our, our mentor, Pavel, actually uh, hired me to record and stream the next Strong Endurance seminar at our gym. So I'm cool. Sweet. That's awesome, man. That's very cool. <laughs> Thank you. So um, obviously, like, doing these these Zooms and stuff with the cameras and then, like, having the other camera over here and just all this stuff and picture-in-picture stuff. Um, it's been kind of fun, like, learning how to do stuff. I'm, I'm fucking with this. Sorry. Cuss. The switch over here. It's your podcast, man. You're fucking a. <laughs> I'm putting the E up now. All right. Yeah. Blew it. Um, but, yeah, uh, so at our, our facility, we're going to host a Strong Endurance, which obviously I'm a big fan of Strong Endurance, and that became the book, The Quick and the Dead, right back there. Mm -hmm. So um, that was that was pretty exciting to have um, headquarters reach out to, to do that. So that's very cool. Yeah, and Derek, you know that, that's 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 so cool because you know I've we've we've chatted about podcast setups and you've obviously put a good amount of time into into figuring that stuff out. So it's cool where you like this is a good example of where preparation meets opportunity, right? You're yeah, investing yeah. in this skill, maybe not with the intention of that happening, but then that opportunity came about, and there you are. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. You know, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you saying that. Like just doing things that you are passionate about and are interesting with people you find interesting. And then with no expectations whatsoever, an opportunity arises and you can serve more people uh, and working with a person that you have immense respect for too. So yeah, just do the right thing every time. Absolutely. So when, it, when is that by the way? Uh, November 7th and 8th here in Denver. And um, you know, obviously socially spaced out and all, all the rules are in place, but um, that's why we're streaming it. So we can get it to more people um, all around the world. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I went over to the gym and tested all the stuff out and the lightings and the camera. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I have like three different camera angles in case we want to do demonstrations and the movements and stuff. And then I'll have a laptop with the slides and merge it all together. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I get to work with Pavel, our, our, our hero. Super cool. Right? Yeah. yeah awesome. So you said November 7th and 8th. Yeah. You want to come into town for it? Nope. Maybe. Yeah. I, uh, I would definitely like to. Yeah. It's a great course, and uh, I'll take you around to Jones Pass because it'll open up eventually because it's going to have to rain someday this right. year. Um, yeah, you guys are always welcome to come out here, show you around. We'd love to get out there at some yeah. point, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just get some bunk beds in your place, you know. Pat and I will have a pillow fight. Like <laughs> host, host the big boys. That's right. Uh, I should host a sleepover. Yeah, that'd be great. Big, yeah, big boy sleepover. <laughs> yeah. I, it would be very entertaining. Uh, my wife would, would enjoy this too. We actually hosted my friend Matthew Flaherty. He came in from New York City. Uh, he hosted a flexible steel course at our gym last weekend. Or was it two weekends ago now? Do you want to hear? You want to hear something crazy about Matt? <laughs> yes. I was. He and I were at. This is not that crazy. He and I were at the first flexible steel ever what? in September of 2012. Um, the so I had undergone the course. Um, it, I think at least once or twice with, uh, John Angham the year before, cause it used to be called extreme flexibility Yes. and he came to Omaha and he did an HKC, uh, this is 2011. And so I assisted at it and, uh, next day he did this extreme flexibility course and it was awesome. Yeah. And, um, he asked if I would go out there and assist him because they're going to do flexible steel. And, and this was actually, so it was Dave Whitley was teaching the kettlebell stuff on day one. And, uh, and John was teaching uh, flexibility stuff on, on day two. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I, you know, it was right around this time I was, I was getting ready to move to Israel. So I never really pursued the, uh, 
uh, instructor's path with flexible steel, but it's such a great curriculum. It, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's very funny to think because I remember Matt was just there as a student and I was there as like, you know, ostensibly like one step above everybody else. And now look at the dude, you know, like he's, yeah, he's way above ground force method and um, in Indian clubs. Like I got my clubs over there and yeah, in a clinic, he's a stud. Yeah. I took him to Jones Pass before it caught on fire again. <laughs> well, that, I think there, there might be a correlation here. You know, he happened to go to Jones Pass and the next thing you know, oh, the fire's all over the place. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. I'm just saying, don't rule it out. That's a very, uh, he's, he's a wild card. He I is. haven't seen proof that he didn't set it on fire. <laughs> I mean, that's good enough for me, right? Stays close. Yeah, <laughs> good enough. Well, that's great. What was your favorite drill out of Flexible Steel? Um, I liked, so I was good at the front splits, and but I was not good at side splits. Mm. So, um, the it was basically it was kind of like this is this goes back to talking about the details that pat and i were talking about before like to get somebody more flexible some of the basic drills that they teach early on in the in the course at least as i recall it uh, are going to be a lot of what most people are really going to need and then after that it really depends on how flexible they want to get mm -hmm. and uh and you have to pull out like certain specialty tools after a while that you don't need earlier on and so one of the ones that we did and this is what john did with me in uh, 2011 was uh, utilizing the pneumomuscular reflex to improve your flexibility. And I don't know if Matt talks about that in there. I would imagine in, you know, we'd probably teach them. Uh, well, pneumomuscular, uh, in this case, it's, it's your breath and your muscle connection. And so uh -huh. Pavel, I think, talks about it briefly in relax into stretch. And he says, you're never going to find any references to this in Western literature. But the idea is basically using like, you know, like sharp or like aggressive breathing followed by like really relaxed breathing and using that like to ratchet up the tension and then really relax. And so that was one of the, I had to do some like martial arts, like ha ha, like that sort of a thing while I was t almost at the very bottom for this, this uh, split thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then my coach, Scott Stevens, had his uh, foot on one of my feet out to the side and, and John Angham had his on the other. So I would, I would do that and then relax and they would move their foot a little bit so that it would, you know, like there was no more blockage on the other end like to keep me from going further. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really liked that a lot because that was what basically finally got me to the full side split. And um, Sounds and, like Taekwondo, my friend. Yeah, well, I, I totally should, man, but... Uh, I just, at the time I was, I wasn't really thinking about it, but it would have been perfect because, you know, for, for kicking in Taekwondo, like that's sort of a thing for the flexibility you need. It's like indispensable. And I mean, Engham would know he's like a grandmaster, you know, so he uses a lot of this stuff with himself and his students. Uh, but that was one that I really liked. But, but to those listening, like if you were to try this now, I mean, you would need instruction. Like you could give it a shot and maybe get an idea, but this is, it's again, it's a sweet picking example. Like you already have to have a lot of other things in place before this becomes like really the kind of power tool that you need. That's a good analogy. And I think that, that aggressive breath you mentioned, I think that's part of the hamstring stretch, right? The last, the very, very, very last part of the hamstring stretch. Um, it could be. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they probably expanded on the curriculum quite a bit because the last time that I went through it was, it was in 2012 when I was assisting Oh, gotcha. uh, I'm sure it's evolved uh, since then. He did come to Israel once, but I was like broke. And so 
I like, I really should have just shelled out the money or like, you know, used a credit card or whatever, because it, it was totally reasonable what he was asking. And it was an instructor certification too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I feel like I need to go through it. I totally regret not having done it because it's a great course. It's so good. I, I have enjoyed, you'll find this entertaining. Um, I've put on half drunk displays, especially last night. I have uh, in-laws in town and they're in from Ohio and we're watching the Broncos game and every commercial break, my wife's like, uh, pimping me out like Sean show them the Egyptian or show them the arm circle so I've got like nine people six beers deep eating nachos and jalapeno poppers and doing arm <laughs> circles <laughs> with them in your hand you're like oh, oh yeah. would you like a jalapeno popper yeah. and you just move it back. yeah <laughs> exactly exactly yeah the teacup with jalapeno popper and, yeah exactly it's fun being able to apply this to a wide demographic of people you know and <laughs> absolutely have, uh, some surveys uh, and sort of bases. Yeah, that's important. Always, always to beer. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. It would probably uh, make you more flexible because you get sort of loose, you know? Yeah. And uh, you're all ready to fight. So it's like you're already, <laughs> you know, you're, you're totally like loosened up. You could probably drop straight into the splits, you know? Yeah. That's what you should do next time. Have your wife tell you to do the splits. Like once you're like nine beers deep, mm -hmm. see what happens. I will, I will <laughs> yeah, exactly. know how this works. Yes. <laughs> see if I need yeah. surgery. Oh, that's hilarious. I, want, I found out my, my uh, brother-in-law is extremely flexible. He didn't even know it. And he was doing all kinds of stuff and he was just, he's very happy with himself. Oh, he knew it, dude. Dude's a ring. <laughs> People who are ringers, they yeah. know they're ringers, man. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know I could do that. Is that that's impressive? Crazy. I didn't even know. It's so weird. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. So, yeah, is bottoms up pressing a beast? Is that like, is that like a hard? That's like a yeah. thing to work for? I don't, I don't even know that. Oh, you guys, you guys can't do that? Oh, oh why? It's so strange. You guys are deficient, I guess. I don't know what the, you know, the deal is. Yeah. Oh, how funny. Well, I, I think we've covered the questions, uh, fasting, fitness, a little bit of philosophy, um, best metal song and why, and um, Pavel. We got Pavel in there. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to cover? It's a, uh, a valid question. Um, Cause we well, can talk forever. I mean, it's Friday afternoon and I'm, I'm going to crack a beer open in a minute. Yeah. I was, uh, I hadn't really considered it, but I totally should have done that. I don't have any beers in the fridge. I know. I'm, I just have waters. I have like schnapps. I have, I actually uh, have vodka right there. I get sent vodka to test. Like who? Yeah. Actually today I got a package from Patagonia. I'll get it real quick. Yeah. I got these, Alex, I still got these Coronas from, uh, <laughs> From when you were out, man. Yeah. The same ones, really. It's the same Coronas we got from when you were out. Yeah. Dang, all right. Well, actually, I, I, well, you know me. I don't actually drink that often. So yeah. On special only... occasions like like these, I'll, I'll crack open a brew. Yeah. Like when you and I, I, I don't drink much either. But when you and I are out, I'm like, when we're together for whatever reason, like our, our the feeling of needing to drink rises. I'm not really sure what that's all about, but that is true. And we just de devolve like straight into into middle school again. Like we just eat like middle schoolers. We behave yeah. like middle schoolers. Every time he comes out, the first thing we do is we go to Wahlburgers. Oh um, yeah. And we just take, we just take care of that. Just right Absolutely. off, right off the bat. Yeah. Drink, mm -hmm. eat junk food. Yeah. We should just play Halo next. If we're going to go full middle school, you know, like <laughs> put that on the agenda. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, when I have you guys out, I have a, I have a Nintendo, well, a Raspberry Pi actually. And it's got an emulator for all the games from like Atari all the way up to, I think, Super Nintendo. 14,000 games in different languages. Maybe we can play it in different language and Alex can interpret it for us. Great. Let's put it in Vietnamese go. and say, <laughs> I was a real ringer of that one earlier. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, I was excited. Patagonia sent over 
uh, it's kind of fun when like Patagonia has your name written on a sample doesn't exist yet. So that's got, cool. Yeah, so I've got a box of Patagonia stuff to go test out. This is the R1 Air something comes out next year. But yeah, that's super cool. Free stuff is the best. It's the best, and and like to get to work with these companies directly and like give them feedback before it goes to production. That won't be out until the spring of twenty one. Mm. So uh, it's fun, like, and that's that's what I do. When I'm not doing fitness. I go up to the mountains when they're not on fire, test this gear out, and drink beer and read Pat's books and stuff. Awesome. That's a good. That's a way bad. to be, man. Yeah. Not a bad existence. Not a bad at all. The dogs are pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, I see your guitars out. Are you threatening to play guitar right now, Pat, or is it just hanging out there? Uh, this one actually needs to be restrung. This is my Nuno. It's probably out of tune. I don't play this. I don't play this nearly as much as, um, my SG right now. Yeah. SG. So people don't know SG. That's an SG right there. Yeah. So here's my, here's just my, my Nuno, my Washburn. Nuno Betancourt guitarist extreme. So I I love this guitar. It's, uh, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't Uh that crazy? So it's technically a bolt-on, but just really fancily done. And like, I love the unfinished aspect about it because it just is going to sound wrong, but it absorbs your juices, right? Your essence. <laughs> oh. You become one, like your essence. It goes yes. into the guitar, right? Yeah. And then um, right here, my other one, this one I've been playing a lot more plugged in. Um, it's, it's the SG. I was just recording with this the other day. Um, trying to get the album going, the Pat Flynn album release, and I love the SG. It's just, so it's good. just an, it's just such a awesome all-round instrument. It's versatile. You can be speedy with it. You can be grungy with it. It's got great tone. So, the Nuno is definitely faster. Um, if I want to try and do something fancy, which I find myself doing less and less, I'll go to the Nuno. But most of the time, I'm just, I'm just hanging with the SG. SG is so good. I. I... I never knew I wanted one, and then my, my wife bought it for me for uh, Christmas or birthday, basically the same day I'm born, day after Christmas. So I get a lot of combination presents, but that's been the best one right there. Yeah, I had a Satriani signature before, it, and I sold that, and that was that was good, um, but I like the SG better. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Speaking of guitars, my friend turned me on to a company. I think Mark, Mark Rifkin actually was the first person that turned me on to us, and I looked into it more. Harley Benton, Harley Benton. It sounds vaguely familiar, but yeah, it's not. like the a European. Um, it's like Guitar Center, but in Europe, and this is their house brand. And uh, I don't mean to turn you onto a rabbit hole and get you in trouble to buy a new guitar, but you can get like an SG like looking guitar for like 150 bucks, and it sounds really good. Yeah, it's well, that's not- good to know because I've been my son has been diligent on the piano for about the past year and a half, and I told him if he if he does good and he. Cause I wish I would have started on piano. I didn't. I'm now just learning piano and he's done a good job. So I'm probably going to pick him up a guitar soon. If, uh, so that might be a good, it might be a good way to, way to start. Yeah. I, I really didn't believe my friend. I thought he was just full of it, but no, it really is like, it's like too good to be true. I, I don't know how they do it, but you know, Mark had it. And I was like looking at the neck. I'm like, that looks like a Stratocaster, but it's not a Fender and it's not an Esquire. And it was, I think it's a Harley Benton. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I will definitely <laughs> check that out. I appreciate the recommendation. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, let me see. There's like Les Pauls. They're everything you could possibly want. Just like Paul Reed Smith looking ones. And they're actually good quality. So anyway, so that's a good resource for you and your family. 
Thank you, good sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, I um, that's I guess that's the other thing for me. If I can get like two or three more tracks recorded and out, we'll be I'll be happy with that. I used to make Alex listen to all my recorded tracks when we were driving around PA. The oh, only right. album that was in the car was the Pat Flynn album. Oh, that's it was, awesome. uh, I still remember those songs, man. We, we played them quite a bit. It was like yeah. shortly after I moved to to PA, we would drive yeah. around and that was uh, when they were just getting produced. So I was like, it was. That was cool. I mean, you had the, cause I remember, I think I remember hearing the songs before and then you put the lyrics to it and you had, you know, somebody put uh, drums and bass in it. It was like, right. you could really feel the, uh, the evolution going on. It was, uh, it was very cool. Yeah. I think I told Sean that, that they, um, and for anybody who's interested, I just, I just, uh, I outsource my band. Right. So I record, I get, I just, ha I have a click track on, I get all the guitar stuff down. And then I just hire other artists online to, to just fill in, fill the gaps until something comes together that I like. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I was wondering, because you mentioned that uh, one of the songs, or many of the songs in your YouTube videos was you. And I think it sounds great. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. If, yeah. If people want to hear it, I've got a SoundCloud. That's where they're all hosted. But if you just go on my YouTube channel and you just start going through some of my most recent kettlebell workout videos, they're pretty much all my tunes. That's so impressive. They're really good. Nice and chunky. Good, uh, good solos too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. I mean, as a musician as well, not a good one. Uh, it, it's always nice to like, um, to put your stuff out there and let people, people not know it's your stuff <laughs> and get like honest feedback. Well, that's why I said, it was said like, you know, uh, if you want to impress me, just go leave a comment on YouTube and say like, Oh man, what band is that? Yeah. I'll respond to that comment for sure. <laughs> yeah, in a hot minute. In an instant. Yeah. All other Oh, let me let more. me tell you who that is. <laughs> um, Flynn. But no, I've like I've actually gotten those comments and like I have to say it's it's utterly delightful. Um because you know, I'm let's be honest, I'm force feeding my audience my music. They're coming for the kettlebell workouts, but it's like, hey, take this <laughs> yeah, with you and enjoy, right? So yeah, it's cool. They're getting it whether they like it or not, but it is nice to hear that the feed the feedback I've gotten is people have seem to quite quite enjoy the tunes i haven't heard it on the radio yet I haven't uh, been booked no. for any big tours yet so i don't know what's going you know, on with that uh, but i have i have an idea i saw this movie called airheads a while ago and what they did to get on the radio seems like it could still work today now might need to clear your schedule for a few years after the, the whole <laughs> stunt goes down but uh it is a good possibility people will hear it on mass <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Just take just take the law into my own hands. Why not, dude? It's twenty twenty, right. man. There are no laws. Everyone everyone else is doing it. What's it matter? Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, that's good stuff, guys. Yeah. Well, uh, you've given me an hour and a half of your time already, so I don't want to keep going into your uh, Friday afternoons. I know you got the family there. Um but I always appreciate talking to the big boys, having a good old time. Big boys. Yeah, no, we appreciate it, Sean. This is a this is a blast. Hopefully, uh Hopefully your gentle listeners have gotten something out of it. And the big boy, I think I speak, can speak on behalf of both of the big boys here. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, thank Absolutely. you. I, I, after our last one, I, 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 I soaked in how awesome of experience it was. And I, especially, I think this year, especially, you know, Pat and you and I are like, have, you know, our, our anxiety and depression we've battled. And I think this year, especially these kinds of things, whether it's with you guys or people outside of us doing it, the communication, the bonding is really important. So I hope everybody's taking um, a moment to like reach out to people and just talk and just 
open up. I'm, absolutely, man. Like this is just fun for me. I, I really legit yeah. <laughs> like what's it's like a real happy hour, right? It's go it down, really grab is. a beer. So we well, will, we will absolutely have to do this again soon. This is this is just fun. Mm-hmm. I love it. Let's do it again in the next few weeks. Now I'll make sure I have at least a couple beers right here, ready to go, so we can let loose. Beautiful. And I'll, I'll have links to uh, to Pat and to Alex so you guys can learn more about them and, and Flexible Steel and all the stuff we mentioned in here so people have resources. And uh, as always, guys, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, likewise, man. Thank you. My pleasure. And uh, you can give me listeners and viewers out there. Uh, again, this is Pat Flynn and Alex Salkin, Sean Sewell. Hope you got a lot of fun out of this one. Uh, and until next time, take care. <laughs>